Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, why must they make it so darn interesting? A roller coaster of emotions watching that game in Jacksonville. Bottom line, though, another win was secured. That's three in three games, and as A.J. Green said post-game, that's all that matters. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 473, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Well, when we last left everyone, we talked about wanting to see this team learn from its past, not have history repeat itself. Start 2-0, only to lose to a less talented team. I don't know if we can definitively say, MJ, that this team has quite learned its lesson, at least if you just look at the first half. In totality, yes. Some adversity, actually a lot of adversity. They made that contest on Sunday. For me, MJ, just a little bit too interesting for my liking considering the opponents. I understand every given Sunday, but for me... 31-19, that was a close ball game for four quarters. Yeah, and the the Cardinals got out to a lead, and then the next thing you know, you know, some things got sideways. But, you know, I I will say this, though, even in the the Vikings, uh, the second half, this team makes adjustments, and you'd like to see those adjustments maybe in the first half. And and I think once they get through a couple possessions, they'll start talking about different things, what they see and look. Maybe they didn't see it during the, the, the film session during the week, but I do like how they recovered in, in these last two games in the second half because, you know, the Cardinals had 24 points in the second half. You know, obviously they had the, the pick six, um, but they were able to move the ball and score some points. But I agree with you, too close for comfort. Just because you don't want to play down to your competition, and I think to a certain extent, and it's human nature, but the Cardinals were a much more talented team. And in the end, talent won out. It just should have won out a lot sooner. We didn't need that kind of emotional roller coaster, if you will, especially between the end of the first half, start of the second half, and into the fourth quarter. That, that Look, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying let's play how you're supposed to play. And we didn't get that, I don't think, for a full four quarters. Well, I mean, we talked about this uh, yesterday when we were able to chat do the live looking when players on the field. And if you missed that, make sure an hour before kickoff, we're going to give you a great coverage where you could see who guys are lining up. And Craig was able to pick off where Josh Jones was lining up. But, you know, it's tough to win on the road in the NFL. I mean, I, I know it's Jacksonville, and maybe they'll be better in the next couple of weeks. they got a turnaround game this week. But, I, you know, going to Tennessee, a lot of hype about the Titans, and I think they've solidified that where they're at now just based on how they're playing. So, but I like the fact that, you know, this team, yes, I mean, you like to see faster starts, and the way they started in Tennessee was remarkable. It's going to be hard to top that throughout the entire season, but I do like the way that they, they rally. doesn't seem like the, the opportunity is a bit too big for them. But, again, just, you know, get out to a good lead and then kind of control the tempo and everything else. But I do like the fact that they are – you know, winning these games, but it's hard to win on the NFL. I know that you know, look at Jacksonville and you're like, oh, they're the worst team in the league. Well, I'm sure uh, they're saying the same thing about the Texans or the Lions right now. Um, but at the same time, I, I just like, you know, the thing is you, we, we need four games, five games to get a sample of what's going to happen here. And then you start totally looking at the second half to the schedule, and that's where, the, where this team's going to have to play a lot better. Cardinals led at the end of the first quarter, trailed at halftime, win the ball game 31-19, and both head coach Cliff Kingsbury and quarterback Kyler Murray, two separate occasions post-game, both brought up the fact that this is a game that they would have lost like that the past two years. Similar circumstances on the road, an inferior opponent, you're not playing well, Two years ago, 2019-2020, Cardinals would not have come back to win that game. It is a sign. It is a step forward. It's progress, a sign of maturity, and a lot of the additions that this team made in the offseason as far as getting some veteran and some veteran leadership 
on offense, defense, and special teams allowed this team to weather the storm, if you will, and understand that, yes, teams are going to make a run on you. Plays are going to happen. Negative plays are going to happen. But how do you respond when you are hit in the face like that? And the Cardinals responded very, very well. And I'll say this, though. It, it's it's one of these uh, scenarios and situations where I'm comfortable this team's going to put up 30 points. Now, they're going to run to a buzzsaw defense, and if you know you don't win the turnover battle, that could play a factor. Or if you give up a pick six or you know, get a special team's touchdown. But I, I'm, I'm confident this team could put up 30 points or more just based on the weapons on offense and how they protect Murray and how he can get out of traffic and, and just – you know, two 100-yard receivers yesterday between A.J. Green and, and Christian Kirk. And you look at, you know, Rondell Moore really didn't have a big uh, production when it came to at least a wide receiver position along with Hop. Hop was involved early. Um, but, again, I, 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 I'm comfortable this team can put up points. Now it's a matter of how can they improve that rush defense because they're getting gashed, okay? And, yes, we looked at the first couple of running backs, and we, you and I had a lot of respect for um, – Robinson going into the Jaguars game so you know again teams are going to see that and that's where they're going to try to run and that means you're keeping Kyler Murray off the field and I think that's what teams are going to try to do here just to limit our possessions going forward. 30 points is the magic number and I think it's almost it's almost looking very easy because seven points at halftime and you're wondering what's going on with the offense. And then at the end of the game, you look and say, well, there's 30 points again. There's over 400 yards. Kyler Murray throws for over 300 yards. They're like, well, wait a second. <laughs> so that was my difficulty trying to digest what I saw versus what the numbers told us at the end of the day. The only number, though, that matters is the number three. And the Cardinals have three wins after three games. There are five teams in the National Football League that are 3-0. and oh, Two in the NFC West. In fact, four on the West period. Two in the AFC West, two in the NFC West. The only outsider, if you will, the Carolina Panthers. And, of course, this week the Cardinals will be at one of those teams, the Los Angeles Rams, coming up in Week 4. More on that matchup as the week unfolds. But now we kind of get to look back at what happened in Jacksonville, 31-19 to the final. But before that happens, I think we do need to let everyone know on what the latest is concerning, I think, some key injuries along the offensive line. Because, as you pointed out in pregame, that, yes, without Kelvin Beecham being active, all of a sudden, instead of just moving one part, there was a dramatic shift on the right side of the offensive line. Josh Jones kicked out from guard to right tackle. Justin Murray off the bench plays right guard. And he has the ability to play right tackle, but that was the decision. And then we get the injury to Justin Murray during that final offensive series, not during the kick six. Bird Gang, you need to make sure you're aware of that because that is bad information. That kick six did not cost the team two offensive linemen, only one, Justin Pugh. Justin Murray hurt his back on the offensive possession. Justin Pugh hurt his back on the kick six. In the second half, however, you had Max Garcia and Sean Harlow come in off the bench, and Harlow had been on the practice squad, elevated to the active roster on Saturday. Those two additions, all of a sudden, this team, as Kingsbury noted, did not miss a beat as far as what the offense was able to do in quarters three and four. Yeah, and, and if you go back to Sean Harlow, he played, I want to say, 87 snaps in just two preseason games. Of course, the third one got canceled uh, because of Ida, and, and the flight was coming back here. But he got a lot of time. And then DJ Humphreys mentioned after the game that when Pew was dealing with COVID and he was out, he was getting a lot of reps there also because, you know, Garcia is more of a backup center, um, you know, normally in camp you go three or four deep. Uh, and then Max Garcia, he played 41 snaps um, in that game. And according to uh, stat was Mike Helm, Arizona offense didn't miss a beat after Sean Harlow and Max Garcia entered the game. In the second half, the Cardinals totaled 252 total yards, 14 first downs, two rushing touchdowns, 209 passing yards, and lined up and did not allow a sack despite 20 pass attempts. That's really impressive. And a huge challenge now as we get forward as far as what happens this week against the Rams. But the latest on Murray and Pugh, 
Kingsbury says they're day-to-day. And, hey, look, when you're dealing with a back issue, MJ, that's you don't know from day-to-day, from hour-to-hour. You wake up in the morning, you feel great by the afternoon, you're not feeling so good or vice versa. This is something that when you're dealing with the back, much like a hamstring, you're never quite sure. And even when you feel great, it's all right. Give me another day. Give me another week. Well, you just don't know when you get up in the morning. You take a wrong step, and you think that you feel better. I mean, you had treatment last night, whether it's cold or hot. Yeah, I mean, those are tricky. You just you, you never know how somebody else is dealing with the back injury, and I'm sure it's you know people deal with it all the time, and some well, worse than others. But yeah, and you know, I was thinking we were talking earlier, and Cliff was asked about it, and you know, when it comes to Calvin Beecham. You know, it's probably coming down to pain tolerance. And I'm thinking, this is just me thinking, again, I don't want to say that they were taking Jacksonville lightly, but I think they thought if they can move the ball, protect a quarterback, get their weapons open, defense couldn't do enough, forcing some turnovers, they can win that game without Beecham. So, and I think you look at the next couple of games between the Rams on the road at home against San Francisco and then going on the road to Cleveland, they're going to need him. He's a starter for a reason, but – I guess we're not going to know anything probably till Wednesday or Thursday, depending on the injury report and how many uh, offensive linemen are, quote, technically healthy going into the game. Well, as we speak here on Monday on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, only two of the five starting offensive linemen remain in the position they began the season at. Left tackle DJ Humphreys and center Rodney Hudson. That's two of your best guys. True. Yeah. You want exactly (laughs) left tackle, most important. And of course, the man in the middle, the anchor of the offensive line. Certainly hope the best for Calvin Beecham. That would certainly shore up on the right side. And then you don't know about the interior with the guards. So it does bring into what we discussed. And you were on top of this in the offseason as far as the line of scrimmage and the depth at the offensive line. It's being tested right now. And it's not something you want to go into with a question mark. And I, right now, I, I, I think they're fine, but it wouldn't be a surprise because, remember, Brian Winters was released on Saturday as well and Josh Miles injured reserve. So there's already two pieces out. That's why Harlow and Coda Martin were signed to the active roster. So you still have nine in the room, but it is, is it good enough? Are those back end as far as seven, eight, nine good enough with what you need because if there's an injury during a game, someone's got to come off that bench. Yeah, you know, I made a comment on on, on, on Friday about Harlow just because I, I know that he's been kind of buried on the depth chart, but then when you listen to Humphreys and then I went back and looked at the snap count, I'm like, okay, he's kind of earned the right to be the next guy up. Uh, as for Coda Martin, I really don't – know what his strengths are I mean I can go back and, and, and talk to a scout or something like that so I'm just, I was glad that they didn't have to go that far down the depth chart because I when, when they, they announced that Harlow and Martin were coming up I'm thinking one of those guys Martin's probably going to be inactive no because of the numbers and obviously you get two guys hurt in the same game uh, luckily they did have another guy because normally you dress eight on game day and we know Max Garcia is now the backup center backup guard um, and then you you would throw in whoever the odd man out is if Beecham's uh, not active. And then you got Josh Jones and hopefully Murray. So it, it's going to be interesting. They may have to bring somebody else in. And again, you can put them on the practice squad. Yep. Obviously, you got to make a make a corresponding move. But I, I would think that they have probably an idea. Again, between now and Wednesday, we could see some some shuffling based on who's not practicing and who is. Yeah, the first injury reports on Wednesday, those 20 minutes that we get to watch a practice, who's out on the field, who's not, and then if they are on the field, how are they moving, especially if it's Justin Murray and Justin Pugh because of back issues. Cardinals covered two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's get into more in-depth on what we saw and maybe what we didn't see on Sunday in Jacksonville. The offense, after a slow start, again, 24 points in that second half. And interesting that you're able to put up 31 points without an offensive touchdown, passing touchdown. Three rushing scores. Kyler Murray had one and James Conner with two. And to me, that's fine. Any way you can score. But it is a little odd, considering what we saw the first two weeks, that Kyler Murray over hundred, excuse me, over 300 yards passing, better than 80% completion percentage, 
and has no passing touchdowns, yet two wide receivers over 100 receiving yards. That's Those are those are things you just don't typically see because if a wide receiver is getting over 100 receiving yards, my guess is about there's a 90% chance that one of those catches went for six. Yeah, and you know it happened in the prior game when A.J. Green finally got his touchdown. I mean, yeah, it's – you know, Kyler Murray, this completion percentage, man, I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, he's so efficient and effective, and he's all four of his interceptions have been inside the pocket. Now, he only had 12 last year, so that number could go up. Again, I don't think he's going to – I mean, we're looking at – the Cardinals are unbeaten in the month of September, but it's only three games, so – but he only had 12 last year. He already has four. I wonder, because we hear this a lot with when you're talking about a Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, a Drew Brees, you're taking, as you get more comfortable, sometimes you take a little bit more chances. And I haven't, full disclosure, Berg, I haven't looked at the interception as far as some of those other veteran quarterbacks around the league as far as what they do on a year-in, year-out basis. But this is year three for Kyler Murray, and you can tell he's much more comfortable in this offense. I think he's comfortable in who he's throwing the football to. He's spreading the ball around, and he has been very efficient, to use your term, MJ. And he finished that game Sunday with 11 straight completions, and it's what he was able to do when this team needed him. You throw that interception to begin the second half, and then all of a sudden you find yourself down 19-10. to And the offense on their very next two possessions surrounding that Byron Murphy pick, two scoring drives, both ending with James Conner rushing touchdowns, but Kyler Murray, a combined 8 of 8 for 120 yards. Again, that's when the game's on the line. That's what you're looking for, especially in year number three. And, you, you, you know, I'm looking at the Cardinals um, – Right now, they're tied with the Bucs. They're averaging 34.3 points per game. The Bucs have 14 touchdowns. The Cardinals have 13, 5 rushing, 7 receiving. There's only five teams that are averaging over 30 points a game. The Bills, of course, Josh Allen was really good yesterday. The Rams, the Chiefs, the Cardinals, and Bucks. So that's a pretty good category. Last year, they were somewhere in the, in the teens. But if they can stay there uh, – you're going to win some games, and now it's a matter of how the defense can force some turnovers, get the quarterback off the spot. But, yeah, I've been thoroughly impressed. And, you know, you look at the average per carry when it comes to Connor, it may not be great, but he is the perfect back on that short yardage. I'm glad that they can get cute there. Just let him go over the top. Obviously, Murray had the walk-in touchdown like he has in the past. Um, but I, I really like the one-two punch with Connor and Edmonds. Edmonds made me more from the 20 to the 20. And then when you get into the red zone, you have weapons out there with Hop and Green and Moore. And I, I, I was fascinated with some of the formations that we were able to see. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that. I was driving home from doing Cardinal Talk on Sunday, and I don't know how much pre-snap motion there was and what those stats say, but how many times we saw both backs in the backfield, a tight end in the backfield, Rondell Moore in the backfield – but lots of space. To me, a lot of eye candy. Exactly. Just different looks from a defense, and all of a sudden you're seeing, in addition to the quarterback, another running back, two running backs, maybe a tight end, maybe a wide receiver, and it was pistol sets. Yeah. So getting a little bit more creative in what you display. Maybe not as much creativity as far as what is being run, as far as the routes and the play design, but I like your term eye candy out there to get the defense looking somewhere else and maybe thinking a little bit instead of reacting. Kyle's in the pistol. Max Williams is right next to him. Connor's over here. And then all of a sudden you see Rondell Moore come in the backfield. So what they're trying to do is get these guys in space. And we know yards after catch are really uh, is really, uh, when you look at Rondell Moore and even Christian Kirk and even Hop, you know, I guess all of them, if you uh, catch the ball while you're running, you're going to get yards after catch. But I, I I just like the fact that that defense has to say, okay, he's in the pistol. He can run it. He can give it to Connor. Or where he can do a little quick pass to Rondell Moore. And it, and really, Kyler threw the ball down the field and on with that formation. And seeing Kyler under center a lot more. Ten times yeah. he took that snap from center and wasn't in shotgun. Not It doesn't have to be a lot, but just enough to give something a different look 
to the defense to where all of a sudden, wait, we're not prepared for this. We didn't see this. Where is this coming from? Oh, what are they going to do now? Then instead of just playing with your instincts, you have to kind of take a step back, a figurative step, not a literal step, but you are reacting slower because you're seeing something different. Yeah, and I I don't know if I have the numbers to back this up, but it seems like more in the red zone and then in short yardage situations. He's going under center because you don't have to go back three yards. The running back should be able to hit the hole and run up the field. On the Connor one-yard run, yes, under center, go straight ahead. I like that because it's an easier play. The quickest way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. North and south. Third and one, however, twice (laughs) in the first half. Out of the shotgun. I don't like that. And I have never liked that. And I understand that that is the background of Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray. But why, when you need one yard, do you back your way now six yards away from that line of scrimmage with a running back either behind you or next to you, and you're asking them to go five yards before they get to the line of scrimmage when they still need another yard to get the first down and keep the drive going. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I do not know more football than Cliff Kingsbury. I just know what I like, and I don't like the shotgun in third and short. Well, I'll say this. Whether if if the zone read or the RPO, so our run pass option, so he Kyler can run, he can hand it off to Connor Edmonds, or he can pass. To me, when you run that zone read, if that defensive end is going to get sucked in, he's going to be able to get those walk-in touchdowns when he can get to the pylon. So I understand when it comes to some of the concepts from the air raid, they're trying to get numbers and they're trying to confuse you with the the fake, I mean, literally he'll put the ball in the belly of the running back and pull it back out while that defensive end's going down the line and here he just goes around him. So it's not ideal. I'm with you on that stuff, but we're seeing more of it. So let's go, let's just say that they've made steps in that area. Oh, there's no question about it. In three games, we're seeing a heck of a lot more. And maybe if you look at the metrics, maybe DeAndre Hopkins is still lining up on the left side, split wide 98% of the time. But you know what? It looks different. Yes. And one, it's successful, so now we're not nitpicking or trying to figure out what's wrong. What can this offense do differently to put points on the board and win ball games? You're scoring 30-plus points, 400-plus yards in the first three games of a season. Bird Gang, that's never been done in the history of the Arizona Cardinals franchise. Let me say that again. 30 or more points. 400 or more yards of offense in the first three games to start a season. Never been done before. Year three. You keep talking about it all season long, MJ. Year three. The expectation, well, they are exceeding expectations, small sample size, but through three games. And they have better players. And they have guys that can take the top off the defense. They have running backs now that will hit the hole and get to the second layer. I mean, Nothing against David Johnson or Kenyon Drake, but there's a reason why they're not on the roster here. I mean, you know, and I was thinking Mike Davis, Carlos Hyde, and they, here they signed James Conner. And, you know, Murray threw a ball behind him a little bit. He caught it, was able that to get out of bunk. Grab. Great grab. I mean, and, and even Cliff and even Kyler thought, you know, hey, we know Chase can catch the ball, but I think he's impressed the coaching staff where you don't, he's not a one trick pony. When he's in there, it's not just short yardage. Plus, he's a big back. He gets in the open field. Those DBs don't want to tackle him. You look at the overall rushing numbers, though. 30 carries, 91 yards. It's not great. But the rushing touchdowns. Yes. Three more rushing touchdowns. That is, if I remember correctly, five total this season. For a while, that looked like it was only going to be Kyler running the football into the end zone. (laughs) But James Conner got in there twice in the second half. And he is that different running back because – he can pound the ball between the tackles. And on that second touchdown, going back to the offensive line, great job by D.J. Humphreys with a down block and Darrell Daniels sealing yep. the outside linebacker or the edge rusher. And all of a sudden, James Conner just was able to run through a hole on the left side. Little things like that people pay attention to, especially when things are going well. And right now, they are going well for the Arizona Cardinals offensively. Defensively, MJ, let's touch on what we saw, the good and the bad. We'll start with the good here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And the good is Byron Murphy. 
the local kid out of Scottsdale Saguaro High School, his first multi-interception game of his career, the second and third receptions or interceptions of his career, and the first career pick six, which I think really was the backbreaker, the momentum changer, if you will, in that contest to get that ball into the end zone on a pick six in which, I'll be honest with you, I mean, that ball was kind of hanging in the air a little while. I mean, we might have been able to get that football. Was it Jordan Hicks that forced that? No, this was a, the the, oh. the pick six. Okay, oh, yeah. okay. And the, oh, on the pick six, credit JJ Watt with Tra- the pressure that's on true, Trevor Lawrence. He got he was able to get and he had to kind of back up, yeah. throw off his left foot or throw off his back foot, and that ball was okay. just hung in the air for like seemed eternity. Now I I really like when Byron Murphy was able to break down the flea flicker. Now they ran the ball what eight consecutive times, and usually the defense starts to get sucked in. And it, you you detailed how well Robinson was getting chunk yards. He said he looked at the running back's eyes and he could tell he was getting the ball to throw back. He said, I jet it because that's what you're t- taught to do, to just get out to the outside. And here he's able to make a play. He probably could have had another one. And I think Marco Wilson should have had one. Robert Alford. Robert Alford. Could yep. have had one. Isaiah Simmons had oh, one early man, in the game. I, right it, was, it, was a diff- it would have been a difficult catch, yeah. but he dove and he had two hands on it. And I think he was upset because, yes. one, it would have been an interception. Two, it would have been an interception against Trevor Lawrence, which, three, he would have been <laughs> able to talk about it for the rest of his life with his good friend from uh, the Clemson Tigers. But, yeah, the, what Byron Murphy did on the flea flicker is learning from his mistakes. Week one, the Tennessee Titans ran a flea flicker, and Murphy got burned. Didn't happen this time around. Once again, the maturity, learning your lesson, and Murphy and this team understanding that mistakes are going to happen. Don't make the same mistake twice. Learn from that mistake. Get better because of that mistake. And I think Murphy here, week three, learned and got better because of what happened in week one. Yeah, you know, I, I went to Pro Football Focus today, and I know we still have another game today, but they came out with their defensive team of the week, and they have Isaiah Oliver from the Falcons at corner, Christian Fulton from the Titans, Justin Simmons, and then Chuck Clark from the Ravens. They use Murph as a flex guy, so he made the Pro Football fo- Focus week three team of all the single players at his position. That's impressive. And I want to say clearly in week one Chandler Jones was on that list, and I think Byron Murphy could have been on that list too. So, you know, and his his grades you would think would be a little bit higher. But man, when we talked to Vance in the off season, and I was asking about Alford, and then you know, obviously they bring in Mark uh, Malcolm Butler, and then you know they they draft Marco Wilson. But Vance was he was so adamant. Let's talk about Murphy. Let's talk about Murphy, and he is a number one corner. I mean. Again, and Marco Wilson's only going to get better with more time. And Alford, I mean, he's physical. Um, they're all going to play. You need three or four corners, and the Hamilton's really, really been a pleasant surprise. It's unbelievable what was said in the offseason about Byron Murphy by Vance Joseph. We are seeing what Vance Joseph knew back in June. Week one, three passes defensed. Week three, two interceptions, and you look at the numbers, five passes defense tied for the most in the NFL, and Murphy, the only player in the league with at least five passes defense and two interceptions this season. He was drafted in the second round to be an inside corner at the time. Now he can play both, but he is a true number one cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals. We are seeing him grow from a rookie to now year three. Once again, that year three, that magical year three, night and day from Byron Murphy as a rookie to now here in 2021. Yeah, and I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you that, he, you know, when Patrick got suspended for six games and Alford went down before the, the season started, I mean, he, he, he was covering Julio Jones. And, and it wasn't a big deal this time around, whether it was Marco Wilson covering A.J. Brown or, or Byron Murphy covering Julio. It was night and day. So he had to go through that those trials and errors, and just you know you got to have thick skin. Uh, you got to have a, a short memory. If you get beat on a ball, you got to go back out there and challenge the guy. So I think what he went through as a rookie, we're starting to see now the physicality, 
how his football IQ, you could see he knows and sees things out. And the prime example would be the flea flicker. Well, and he plays physical. He's not afraid of the contact. 11 tackles in addition. So you are seeing someone that is sometimes heading up to the line of scrimmage to make a play or in the secondary making a play. But it goes back to what we've heard about Robert Alford, Marco Wilson being a physical corner. Corners in the NFL don't like to tackle. That's that's the narrative out there. Well, the Cardinals have three, and if you want to throw in a fourth with Antonio Hamilton, who has played well in spurts when needed to, especially when Marco Wilson went down with the ankle injury last week against the Vikings. But Byron Murphy can't say enough about him because it's a homegrown talent, if you will, as far as a draft pick maturing into not only a number one corner, but if we are on this same path, maybe one of the better cornerbacks in the league at the end of the season. And Jalen Thompson. How much has he improved open field tackling? And the big thing with him is just being able to stay healthy. Correct. But, I mean, and then we know Buddha's a heat-sickened missile. Now, it's interesting, Craig, because going into the season, we thought until the corner position kind of settles down, and obviously we were surprised as everyone else about Malcolm Butler, but – you know, it's a business. You have to move on. But I thought the front seven, and yes, we'll go back to the Titans game because that's validation for me how well this team can play. But they're given they're ranked 29th right now, giving up 140 yards per game on the ground. And that's the bad when you look at the defense. But it's how are you looking at what they're doing? Because week one, the run defense they shut down Derrick Henry, and I'll say it again. You have J.J. Watt walking off the field in Nashville on mic saying, not a surprise, that was expected. All right, so now we need to see it. Weeks two, week three. And Derrick Henry in weeks two and three has been running over the opposition. Yes. So the Cardinals shut down Derrick Henry. Wasn't the case, Dalvin Cook, until the second half, yes. they did a much better job. James Robinson, however, one scoring drive, he did about 80% yes. of his damage. And that was in the second half. Six carries, 66 yards. The rest of the game, nine carries, 28 yards. So, Or I should say nine carries, 22 yards. So it's you're asking this defense to be perfect, and they want to be perfect. They want to be better. I don't like the fact that they are giving up better than five yards, almost five and a half yards every time a running back or someone carries the football on them. Yet it's the bulk of those yards are coming on one drive or two drives. It's not spread out during the course of the entire game. The Cardinals' defense only allowed two touchdowns. You allow 14 points, or you want to say 12 points, plus the PATs, or in the case of Jacksonville, they can't make a PAT. But 12 points, if that's what you are allowing per game, you're going to win a lot of games. 12 points should not be enough to beat you. So this Cardinals' defense... It's just finding some consistency yes. through four quarters. Yeah. We're seeing some good, seeing some bad, and also seeing a little ugly as well. It's just now a matter of putting everything together like they did in week one. Yeah, you know, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, they earned a 70-plus pass rushing grade on the edge. Um, they combined for 11 pressures, including five quarterback hits. Watt ended up with a, uh, a strip sack on Trevor Lawrence to finish it. Uh, and then Jordan Hicks, we don't talk about this guy enough. He had a 91.2 pass rushing grade, was headed for a sack and six pressures. He also recorded five tackles, including one for loss. So, and Byron Murphy, he earned a 90.2 coverage grade, snagging two interceptions, allowing just 45 yards on five catches. It's interesting because we thought the strength going in would be the front seven. But the but that secondary, they're coming together. I mean, they're the, – I mean, the team – they're – when you can force those turnovers like they did on Sunday, that's impressive. So maybe you are going to have to give up a little bit more on the ground, but that's got to that's got to improve. Um, again, you're never going to shut a team down. You know, I think the Patriots ran the ball or threw the ball 55 times, but if you get a team that has a lead like the Rams or the Niners or even the Browns, I mean, the Browns ran for over 200 215 yards yesterday. So you, you, you just don't want them to be in third and short where they're starting. They, or the, it's not just a, a pass down. You want to make sure that, like Vance always talks about, first and second down, 
kind of limit that and then get them in third and long, and that's where these guys can tee off. Well, make your opponent one-dimensional. Yeah. And I don't think the Cardinals' defense did that against the Jaguars until it was 31-19. But at that point, you've got less than seven minutes to go in the ball game. Five and a half yards a carry is what the Jaguars' running backs, and that includes Trevor Lawrence, who scampered six times for 27 yards. But you can't allow that kind of a number per carry. And I understand, I just mentioned that much of that number is inflated because of one scoring drive. Yet at the end of the day, if you're Brenton Buckner, if you're uh, Coach Davis or Coach Bolin, all of a sudden you're pointing to that number. So we can't let this happen, whether that's we're doing well in the first half and then all of a sudden we have a, a slip up in the third quarter on a scoring drive. That It doesn't look good. And then all of a sudden, it's 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 what we're seeing versus what the numbers are showing us. Yeah, it, you're not going to be plus three every game in the turnover ratio. So to me, there's a little bit, uh, you know, to where if you're forcing turnovers, you can afford to give up that one possession where he, he obviously had a 12-yard run, 18, 5, 6. I, I want to say the touchdown was six yards. But, yeah, and then you look at James Conner, um, he had in the, in the second half. He had two huge rushing scores that helped them obviously break the game. He had 30 rushing yards after contact. He had four first down runs and two forced missed tackles. So that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. You look at his average per carry. It's it's not what you think it is, but it's it's more the volume when he's in there. I mean the fact that again two touchdowns, 30 yards rushing after contact, and he had, ended up with four first down runs. There, that's, what, that's what you need. There is a lot to like through three games, a lot to like from what we saw in week three, and a lot that needs to be cleaned up that we continue to talk about two weeks in a row, the run defense, and for two weeks in a row, how about third down offense? Something Kingsbury brought up as well on Monday. If you're looking to where this offense can get better, <laughs> and I laugh because you're still 30 points 400 yards of offense and we're saying how do you get better because you're leaving points on the field and DeAndre Hopkins went missing again for a second straight week and you're still able to put up a lot of points and a lot of yards but on Sunday one of nine on third down the week prior against the Vikings two of ten excuse me three of ten so four of 19 over the past two weeks compare that to seven of 13 in week one. Yeah, they're 11 for 31 right now, 35%. Um, I'll say this, though. Red zone, 10 of 13, 77%. I do like that and really like that. And that's where Kyler has had a couple um, walk-in touchdowns that we saw James Conner get two touchdowns. So uh, I'll take that. I mean, yeah, you want to, you know, we'll obviously break down the Rams this week because they're really good on third down. I mean, they—I don't know—I don't know how many times they face it. I mean, I, I have it in front of me. They're 19 for 35, 54 percent. So that's going to be an issue getting Matthew Stafford off the field and don't let him throw the ball down the field. We have plenty of time to get into that. Always nice to nitpick and point towards even after a win because it, at the end of the day, as we say, and we've been saying it now for three consecutive weeks on a Monday. Much easier to make corrections following a win than it is a loss. And I do think these coaches have enough on film to point to and say, hey, don't get too high. You guys haven't done anything yet. Look at X, Y, and Z. You very easily could have lost to the Vikings. Very easily could have lost to the Jaguars. So this team is far from perfect, but when you're one of five that still can say they're undefeated, I think you're in pretty good company. Yeah, and one of five that's scoring over 30 points a game, and and that's going to go a long way. Especially this this team can get in a shootout. Now, clearly, you don't want to depend on that because then you know you can't turn the ball over. You're probably passing more than you want to with the, utilizing the play action. Uh, but also defensively, they're they're going to have to make some stops. But I I was more encouraged what I saw in the second half, um, just kind of staying in their gaps. I th- I, I do think some guys are freelancing. And these guys that that you know, I think that are freelancing, you probably won't. We probably don't notice it with the naked eye because they can recover in a heartbeat. So sometimes you're supposed to stay in your gap, but if you feel like I can split the double team, I'm going up the field. That 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 allows somebody like Zach Allen or or Chandler Jones to come off the edge. So you you still want to stay in the frame of the defense, but they have a couple of veteran guys that they do like to freelance a little bit, but they also can recover to where you know, you're not going to give up a 20-yard run because he was freelancing. 
Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You want to get into the kick six because you and I have uh, different views on what happened and what didn't happen. But at the end of the day, it did not cost this team. It very well could have, but let's go over it. Right before the end of the first half, Cardinals with the ball, 21 seconds left, three timeouts, and they start from their own 25-yard line. The decision to attempt a 68-yard record-breaking kick in Jacksonville, outdoors, sea level, comes up short. I went back. I haven't seen a good view, a good replay of how short, but it was not well short. I've heard too many people say that. It wasn't four or five yards short. You know why I know that? Because it was a 109-yard return. If you're not going to have a 109-yard return if you're five yards short of the crossbar, do the math. So this was a yard, maybe two yards short. So it would have been good from 66, maybe 67. That's what I thought when I watched the shortcut today, and and I backed it up. I thought it was two yards short. All right. So I had no problem with the decision. I understand hindsight, but you, before the kick, weren't in favor of it. No. Just be well. Let's go back to the um, the play call. I mean that that drive right there. You, you have it in front of you. I can look at it right now. So it's first and twenty five. Murray nine yards. Okay, Murray's left uh, pushed out out of bounds for nine yards. Then Chase Edmonds up the middle for four yards. Cardinals call a timeout. It's first and ten at the thirty eight. Uh, they get Chase Edmonds on a twelve yard. Now, Jacksonville calls a timeout, and Kingsbury has all three timeouts left, correct? At that point, he would add two left because he burned one with 10 seconds to go. Okay, with 10 seconds to go. To me, I don't know if they would have done the Hail Mary or just get all your bigs out there because that would have been a 65-yard pass. Yeah. I mean, depending on how far Kyler backs up. I'm not saying he can't throw that. But at that point, I'm just taking the knee and I'm going in the half. That 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 was all my point. I listen. I, I don't. And we need to make sure we clarify this. Before every game, Matt Prater goes out there and he kicks on both sides, and he'll let the special teams coordinator, assistant head coach Jeff Rogers, know what he's good at this end and that end. Those conversations take place before the game. Now, if it's windy, in this case, maybe the humidity was close to fifty percent. Um, but he had practiced that. Now, to me, we look at Justin Tucker. That was indoors. This was outdoors. I, again, it's hindsight because I just figured if he misses it, half's over. But we've seen this in college. It's happened. So that, that was my only thing. But, the, again, he can make that kick. I mean, he just made it. I mean, I know it's a long kick, and when you see him line up, you're like, oh. Oh wow, that's those those uprights seem so far away. Well, you're lining up on the other side of the 50 <laughs> yard line. It, it takes some getting used to seeing. It's 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 a weird adjustment <laughs> it level. Was, I'm like, really, this is happening. But they, it's not like it, it was like, oh, let's just get, try to get some more points here. I mean, they actually studied this before the game, and he tells both, and then Rogers will tell Kingsbury this is where he's good from. So. Cliff thought, hey, let's just get some points, get the ball in the second half, and obviously it, you know, that first possession in the second half didn't go their way. It was not a spur-of-the-moment decision, oh. and that, I think, gets lost because fans see the results. It's like, what are you doing? It's a discussion that happened during the week, pregame, and I am going to lean on my special teams coordinator, yep. who's been in the league for a number of years, and I'm going to lean on my veteran kicker, who had, before Justin Tucker – the longest field goal in NFL history. Yeah, and that was in indoors, and in, in obviously what he did in Denver, and that's why I brought up Tucker. Um, I got again. I, I was sitting there watching it with Kyle Vandenbosch, and as soon as he lines up, he goes, "Well, if he misses this," and and they showed the guy uh, Agu, Jamal Agnew. Agnew, yeah. They showed him, you know, waiting just to see, and, and the first thing Kyle said to me. If he catches this, matter of fact, if he misses and he catches it on the fly, uh, we're not going to have the bodies out there to chase this guy down. And initially, I think it was Aaron Brewer because you can't have a guy across from him. So he gets down the field pretty quick. And then 
think it was 86, Demarius uh, Demetrius Harris, Harris had the best chance <laughs> yeah. at Agnew at the 35-yard line and completely whiffed. It almost looked like he dove and tried to be Superman to try to get Agnew's legs where if he, again, this is me, not the football player, but just watching it from my couch, so to speak, that if you just kept your full speed ahead, maybe you would have been able to hit him or slow him down for someone else. But Max Garcia missed a tackle. Max Williams was double teamed on the play. And it was Demetrius Harris, 86, who I thought if he had just kept his head up and went running straight ahead. Now, that's one angle that I was watching, but that was the error here. And it's, you look, there's a risk reward for me. You know, the odds of making that kick without doing the analytics, I thought, were higher than the odds of Agnew returning that kick 109 yards. Well, Too much needed to happen for Agnew versus what needed to happen for Matt Prater to make the kick. According to Next Gen Stats, that, that was a 10% um, win rate if you kick it. Now, somebody called in and said, I wonder what the 109 was. <laughs> Three percent. I'm get, it had to be less. I mean that that's then, a long ways to go and dodging a number of different and, and, defenders. And Prater, because actually after he misses it, you know he's kind of set up a little bit. He gets caught in the scrum, but he did a nice job running, trying to run down. And Aaron Brewer was down there also, but at that point you're not going to catch the guy. And plus he had returned a kickoff return 102 yards a week before. Let me give you this quote: "We're going to be aggressive." Matt felt good about it in pregame, and it fortunately worked out the way it did, end quotes. Let's start of that quote. We're going to be aggressive. That's head coach Cliff Kingsbury. The one thing that everyone can agree upon, outside of maybe those first four games in 2019, Kingsbury has been aggressive with his decisions. Offense, defense, leaning on Vance Joseph, and special teams. If you like the fact that Cliff goes forward on fourth down, then you have to kind of be aware that, look, if you're aggressive, you're aggressive. You can't be one foot in, one foot out. And you mentioned StatWiz, Mike Helm, putting this little nugget in our Monday morning notes that when it comes to fourth down success, the Cardinals have an NFL high, almost 69% success rate on fourth down attempts under head coach Cliff Kingsbury. So he's proven that he knows when to do it. You're not going to be perfect all the time. But if you're going to be aggressive on your play calling and in your decision-making on fourth down, then you're going to be aggressive in every other phase of the game. So he's not going outside his comfort zone. He's not going outside the norm. This is who he is as a coach, like it or not. Right now, you better like it because they're 3-0. and Well, I think people in life want consistency, and he's consistent when it comes to that. I mean, 33 or 48? Since he's been here, I, 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 your cubicles across from me, I'm like, wow, 48 times they've gone four down four. <laughs> that was the number that you focused on. 48 times over two and two seasons and, and three and, games. And they're close to 70%, 68.8% complete uh, conversion. I, I, I was like, wow, that he's gone for that many times. But, hey, he's consistent with it. And I, I do like the fact that with this offense and the way that Murray – has performed thus far, he, they need to be aggressive. Don't put the handcuffs on him. Let him do his thing. And, and yes, there's going to be times he's going to throw an ill-advised touchdown. At least this one was in the end zone. They were able to make the tackle. You don't want to give up pick sixes, et cetera. But um, he's he's always been aggressive. But I, I was shocked today when I saw that 48. I was like, we sat there for 48 <laughs> times. Where is he going to go for this or not? To the point now where we just expect him whenever yeah. it's fourth down just to go for it. Even regardless, wherever you're on the football field, even inside your own 40-yard line, there was a stretch last year, if it was two years ago, where he was consistently doing it inside his own 40, inside 35. <laughs> that was just to get the offense going because things were going so bad, well, poorly in that first season. And a lot of times they were behind the sticks. Yeah. So usually, if you get like if it was third and 12, they get 11 yards. Now you. You kind of have to go for it at that point because you feel like you have some momentum. Hopefully the Cardinals aren't facing any fourth down decisions this coming week when they take on the Rams, and we'll have plenty of opportunity to discuss that matchup. It's It might be the – not might be. It is the game of the week. It's not the storyline of the week. There's a distinction because you're not going to get top billing over Tom Brady going back to Foxborough to play the New England Patriots. But as far as matchup on the field, two teams – 3-0 versus 3-0, and 
I'm looking forward to what happens this week. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, based on the Rams and you know how they played against a very good Buccaneers team, some people think that they're the top team. It, it varies. Again, these next three weeks are going to be very important for the Cardinals. You got to take care of business. Um, you know, I, I think hopefully we can shorten the the leash when it comes to playing the Rams based on the last couple of years, starting with Arians later in his career, and then Wilkes, and then Cliff now. Um, and again, uh, we know the, who they have: Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, Stafford is definitely a, 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 he's much better down the field thrower than Jared Goff was, so that's going to be an issue. And then you got Deshaun Jackson; he missed him on a deep ball, but he ended up catching a seventy-five yarder. Robert Woods kind of hit and miss at times, and then you throw in Cooper Cup. As one guy's benefited from Matthew Stafford, it's Cooper Cup. Yeah, and that's what the Cardinals are facing this week. It is a big week, first division matchup of the season for the Arizona Cardinals, but we'll have time to discuss that as we move forward. Yeah, Rich Eisen, now the NFL Network has a, a, a brand new facility right next to SoFi Stadium, and he, he said this is the best home field advantage the Rams have ever had. Okay, well, they were in the Coliseum for a number of years. Going back to St. Louis, okay, greatest well, show right, on yeah. turf. I mean, they they were they had some their heyday, okay. with, but he just thinks that's a bold statement. Yeah, and I think it's just because it's kind of like a nightclub. It's like it's like the Jerry Dome, and 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 the lighting is unbelievable. Now it's not retractable or anything like that, but they, there there is windows and panels like you see at, at Chase Field where you do, you do get some sunlight in there. All right, well, we'll have to do some research. Maybe we need to send Mike Jarecki on a uh, road trip and do some scouting for us for uh, SoFi Stadium, I, home of the Super Bowl that's this right. season. So we'll, we'll scout that week when we're there. <laughs> on that note, let's put a <laughs> lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.